Okay, before we start reading um, the next chapter, make sure you open your PDF so that you read along. It's very important that you read along while I'm um, reading. So you're not just listening, but you're also reading as I'm reading. It's a very good exercise to do that. Before we get started, you know what's next. We're going to relax. We're going to take a deep breath through your nose. Then hold your breath for a second. And then you're going to let your breath out slowly through your mouth. You're going to do that again. Take a breath through your nose. Hold it, and then release through your mouth slowly. Now I'd like for you to feel the energy that's in your hands right now. Just lay your hands flat, either on your lap or on a table. You probably have tension in your shoulders. Relax your shoulders. Take a breath through your nose slowly. Let it out very slowly. At the same time, relax your shoulders. If you feel any tension in your hands, it's okay to release the tension in your hands. Take a breath through your nose. Slowly. Release your breath through your mouth very slowly. Good. Okay, we're going to start reading. Take a moment now to find the PDF in Google Classroom. We are on Chapter 9. You can pause here while you look for your PDF. Chapter 9 is on page 112. Chapter 9. It was almost 6.30 when I got home. The rumble was set for 7, so I was late for supper as usual. I always come in late. I forget what time it is. Dairy had cooked dinner, baked chicken and potatoes and corn, two chickens because all three of us eat like horses, especially dairy. But although I love baked chicken, I could hardly swallow any. I swallowed five aspirins, though, when dairy and soda weren't looking. 
I do that all the time because I can't sleep very well at night. Derry thinks I just take one, but I usually take four. I figure five would keep me going through the rumble and maybe get rid of my headache. Then I hurried to take a shower and change clothes. Me and Soda and Derry always got spruced up before a rumble. And besides, we wanted to show those socials we weren't trash, that we were just as good as they were. Soda, I called from the bathroom. When did you start shaving? When I was 15, he yelled back. When did Derry? When he was 13. Why? You figuring on growing a beard for the rumble? You're funny. We ought to send you to the Reader's Digest. I hear they pay a lot for funny things. Soda laughed and went on playing poker with Steve in the living room. Derry had on a tight black t-shirt and that showed every muscle on his chest and even the flat heart muscles of his stomach. I'd hate to be the social who takes a crack at him, I thought as I pulled on a clean t-shirt and a fresh pair of jeans. I wish my t-shirt was tighter. I have a pretty good built for my size, but I'd lost a lot of weight in Windricksville, and it just didn't fit right. It was a chilly night, and t-shirts aren't the warmest clothes in the world, but nobody ever gets cold in a rumble, and besides, jackets interfere with your swinging ability. Soda and Steve and I had put on more hair oil than was necessary, but we wanted to show that we were greasers. Tonight, we could be proud of it. Greasers may not have much, but they have a rep that a long hair, that and long hair. What kind of world is it where all I have to be proud of is a reputation for being a hood and greasy hair? I don't want to be a hood, but even if I don't steal things and mug people and get boozed up, I'm marked lousy. Why should I be proud of it? Why should I even pretend to be proud of it? Derry never went in for the long hair. He was short and clean. His was short and clean all the time. I sat in the armchair in the living room, waiting for the rest of the outfit to show up. But of course, tonight, the only one coming would be 2-Bit. Johnny and Dallas wouldn't show. Soda and Steve were playing cards and arguing as usual. Soda was keeping up a steady stream of wisecracks and clowning, and Steve had turned up the radio so loud that it almost broke my eardrums. Of course everybody listens to it loud like that, but it wasn't just the best thing for a headache. You like fights, don't you, Soda? I asked suddenly. Yeah, sure, he shrugged. I like fights. How come? I don't know. He looked at me puzzled. It's action. It's a contest, like a drag race or a dance or something. Shoot, said Steve. I want to beat those socials head in. When I, get in the when I get in a fight, I want to stomp the other guy good. I like it, too. How come you like fights, Derry? I asked, looking up at him as he stood behind me, leaning in the kitchen doorway. He gave me one of those looks that hide what he's thinking. But Soda piped up. He likes to show off his muscles. I'm going to show them off on you, little buddy, if you get mouthier. I digested what Soda had said. It was the truth. Derry liked anything that looked like that took strength, like weightlifting or playing football or roofing houses, even if he was proud of being smart, too. Derry never said anything about it, but I knew he liked fights. I felt out those things. I'll fight for anyone, anytime, but I don't like to. I don't know if you ought to be in this rumble pony, Derry said slowly. Oh, no, I thought in a mortal fear I've got to be in it. Right then, the most important thing in my life was helping us whip the socials. Right then, the most important thing in my life was helping us whip the socials. Don't let him make me stay home now. I've got to be in it. How come? 
I've always come through before, ain't I? Yeah, Derry said with a proud grin. You fight real good for a kid your size, but you were in shape before. You've lost weight and you don't look so great, kid. You're tensed up too much. Shoot, said Soda, trying to get the ace out of his shoe without seeing, without Steve seeing him. We all get teased. We all get tensed up before a rumble. Let him fight tonight. Skin never hurt anyone. No weapons, no danger. I'll be okay, I pleaded. I'll get a hold of a little one, okay? Well, Johnny won't be there this time. Johnny and I sometimes ganged up on one big guy, but then Curly Shepard won't be there either, or Dally, and we'll need every man we can get. What happened to Shepard, I asked, remembering Tim Shepard's kid brother. Curly, who was a tough, cool, hard-as-nails Tim in a miniature, and I had once played chicken by holding our cigarette ends against each other's fingers. We had stood there, clenching our teeth, grimacing with sweat pouring down our faces and the smell of burning flesh making us sick, each refusing to holler until Tim happened to stroll by. When he saw that we were really burning holes in each other, he cracked our heads together, swearing to kill us both if we ever pulled a stunt like that again. I still have the scar on my forefinger. Curly was an average downtown hood, tough and not real bright, but I liked him. He could take anything. He's in the cooler, Steve said, kicking the ace out of Soda's shoe, in the reformatory. Again, I thought, and said, let me fight, Derry. If it was blades or chains or something, it'd be different. Nobody gets really hurt in a skin rumble. Well, Gary, Derry gave in. I guess you can, but be careful, and if you get in a jam, holler, and I'll get you out. I'll be okay, I said wearily. How come you never worry about Soda Pup as, mu as much? I don't see you lecturing him. Man, Derry grinned and put his arm across Soda's shoulders. This one kid, brother, I don't have to worry about. This is one kid, brother, I don't have to worry about. Soda punched him in the ribs affectionately. This kiddo can use his head. Soda Pop looked down at me with mock superiority, but Derry went on. You can see he uses it for one thing, to grow hair on. He ducked Soda's swing and took off for the door. Two-Bit stuck his head in the door just as Derry went flying out of it. Leaping as he went off the steps, Derry turned a somersault in midair, hit the ground, and bounced up before Soda could catch him. Well up, Two-Bit said cheerfully, cocking an eyebrow. I see we're in our prime condition for a rumble. Is everybody happy? Yeah, screamed Soda as he did a flying somersault off the steps. He flipped up to walk on his hands and then did a no-hands cartwheel across the yard to beat Derry's performance. The excitement was catching. Screeching like an Indian, Steve went running across the lawn and flying leaps, stopped suddenly and flipped backwards. We could all do acrobatics because Derry had taken a course at the Y and then they spent a whole summer teaching us everything he'd learned on the grounds that it might come in handy in a fight. It did, but it also got Tubit and Soda ye yelled once. They were doing mid-air flips down on downtown sidewalk, walking on their hands and otherwise disturbing the public and the police. Leave it to those two to pull something like that. With a happy whoop, I did a no-hands cartwheel off the porch steps, hit the ground, and rolled to my feet. Tubit followed me in a similar manner. I'm a greaser, Soda Pop chanted. I'm a JD and a hood. 
I blackened the name off our city, our fair city. I beat up people. I robbed gas. I robbed gas stations. I am a menace to society. Man, do I have fun. Greaser, 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 Steve sings song. Oh, victim of environment, underprivileged, rotten, no count, hood, juvenile delinquent. You're no good, Derry shouted. Get the hints. Get the hence, white trash, Tupid said in a snobbish voice. I am a soch. I am the privileged and the well-dressed. I throw beer blasts, drive fancy cars, break windows at fancy parties. And what do you do for fun, I inquired in a serious, awed voice. I jump greasers, Tubit screamed and did a cartwheel. We settled down as we walked to the lot. Tubit was the only one wearing a jacket. He had a couple of cans of beer stuffed in it. He always gets high before a rumble, before anything else, too, come to think of it. I shook my head. I'd hate to see the day when I had to get my nerve from a can. I'd tried drinking once before. The stuff tasted awful. I got sick, had a headache, and when Derry found out, he grounded me for two weeks. But that was the last time I ever drank. I ever drank. I'd seen too much of what drinking did to, for, for you and Johnny, for you at Johnny's house. Hey, Tubit, I said, deciding to complete my survey. How come you like to fight? He looked at me as if I was off my nut. Shoot, everybody fights. If everybody jumped in the Arkansas River, old Tubit would right would be right on there would would be right on their heels. I had it then. Soda fought for fun, Steve fought for hatred, Derry fought for pride, and Tubit fought for conformity. Why do I fight? I thought and couldn't think of any really good reason. There isn't any real good reason for fighting except self-defense. Listen, Soda, you and Pony Boy, Derry said as we strolled down the street, if the fuzz show, you two beat out of there. The rest of us can only get jailed. You two can get sent to a boy's home. Nobody in this neighborhood is going to call the fuzz, Steve said grimly. They know what will happen if they did. All the same, you two blow at the first sign of trouble, you hear me? You sure don't need an amplifier, Soda said, and stuck out his tongue at the back of Derry's head. I stifled a giggle. If you want to see something funny, it's a tough hood sticking his tongue out at his big brother. Tim Shepard and company were already waiting when we arrived at the vacant lot, along with a gang from Brumley. One of the suburbs, Tim was a lean, cat-like 18-year-old 18-year-old who looked like the model J.D. you'd see in movies and magazines. He had the right curly black hair, smoldering dark eyes, and a long scar from Temple Chin where a tramp had belted him with a broken pop bottle. He had a tough, hard look to him, and his nose had been broken twice. Like Dally's, his smile was grim and bitter. He was one of those who enjoyed being a hood. The rest of his bunch were the same way. The boys from Rumley, too. Young hoods who would grow up to the to be old hoods. I'd never thought about it before, but they just get worse as they get older, not better. I looked at Derry. He was going to be he wasn't going to be any hood when he got old. He was going to be somewhere. Living the way we do we do living the way we do would only make him more determined to get somewhere. That's why he's better than the rest of us, I thought. He's going somewhere, and I was going to be like him. 
I wasn't going to live in a lousy neighborhood all my life. Tim had that dense, hungry look of an alley cat. That's what he's always reminded me of, an alley cat. And he was constantly restless. His boys ranged from 15 to 19, hard-looking characters who were used to the strict discipline Tim gave out. That was the difference between his gang and ours. They had, a, they had a leader and were organized. We were just buddies who stuck together. Each man was his own leader. Maybe that was why we could whip them. Tim and the leader of Brumley, Tim and the leader of Brumley outfit, Tim and the, leader, and the leader of the Brumley outfit moved forward to shake hands with each of us, proving that our gangs were on the same side in this fight, although most of the guys in those two outfits weren't exactly what I like to call my friends. When Tim got to me, he studied me, maybe remembering how his kid brother and I played chicken. You and the quiet blackhead kid were the ones who killed the Soch. Yeah, I said, pretending to be proud of it. Then I thought of Cherry and Randy and got a sick feeling in my stomach. Good going, kid. Curly always said you were a good kid. Curly's in the reformatory for the next six months. Tim grinned ruefully, probably thinking of his roughneck, hard-headed brother. He got caught breaking into a liquor store. The little he went on to call Curly every unprintable name under the sun in Tim's way of thinking, terms of affection. I surveyed the scene with pride. I was the youngest one there. Even Curly, if he had been there, had turned 15, so he would... He was older than me. I could tell Derry realized this too, and although he was proud, I also knew he was worried. Shoot, I thought. I'll fight so good this time he won't ever worry about me again. I'll show him the, that someone besides Soda Pop can use his head. One of the Brumley guys waved me over. We, most stuck, we mostly stuck with our own outfits, so I was a little leery of going over to him, but I shrugged. He asked to borrow weed and then lit up. That big guy with you all, you know him pretty well? I ought to. He's my brother, I said. I couldn't honestly say yes. I knew Derry as well as he knew as well as he knew me, and that isn't saying a whole lot. No kidding. I got a feeling he's gonna be asked to start the fireworks around here. He he a pretty good bopper? He meant rumbler. Those Brimley boys have weird vocabularies. I doubt if half of them can read a newspaper or spell much more than their names, and if it comes out in their speech, and it comes out in their speech. I mean, you take a guy that calls a rumble Bob action, and you can tell he isn't real educated. Yep, I said, but why him? He shrugged. Why anybody else? I looked at our outfits over. Most greasers don't have real tough build or anything. They're mostly lean and kind of panther-looking in a slouchy way. This is partly because they don't eat much and partly because they're slouchy. Derry looked like he could whip anything, anyone there. I think most of the guys were nervous because of the no-weapons rule. I didn't know about the Brimley boys, but I knew Shepherd's gang were used to fighting with anything they could get their hands on. Bicycle chains, blades, pop bottles, pieces of pipe, pool sticks, or something, or sometimes even heaters. I mean, guns? I have a kind of lousy vocabulary, too, if I am if, even if I am educated. Our gang never went in for weapons. We're just not that rough. The only weapons we ever used were knives, and shoot, we carried them mostly just for looks, like 2-Bit with his black-handled switch. 
none of us had ever really hurt anybody or wanted to, just Johnny, and he hadn't wanted to. Hey, Curtis, Tim yelled. I jumped. Which one? I, I heard Soda yell back. The big one. Come over here. The guy from Brimley looked at me. What did I tell you? I watched Derry going towards Tim and the leader of the Brimley boys. He shouldn't be here, I thought suddenly. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here, and Steve shouldn't be here, and Soda shouldn't be here, and Tupit shouldn't be here. We're greasers, but not hoods, and we don't belong with this bunch of future convicts. We could end up like them, I thought. We could, and the thought didn't help my headache. I went back to stand with Soda and Steve and Tupit then, because the socials were arriving, right on time. They came in four carloads and, filled, and filed out silently. I counted 22 of them. There were 20 of us, so I figured the odds were as even as we could get them. Derry always liked to take on two at a time anyway. They looked like they were all cut from the same piece of cloth, clean-shaven with semi-beetle haircuts wearing striped or checkered shirts with light red or tan-colored jackets or madras ski jackets. They could just as easily have been going to the movies as to a rumble. That's why people don't ever think to blame the socials and are always ready to jump on us. We look hoody and they look decent. It could be just the other way around. Half of the hoods I know are pretty decent guys underneath all that grease. And from what I've heard, a lot of socials are just cold-blooded mean. But people usually go by the looks. They lined up silently facing us and we lined up facing them. I looked for Randy but didn't see him. I hoped he wasn't there. A guy with Madra shirt stepped up. Let's get the rules straight. Nothing but our fists and the fist and the first to run lose, right? Tim flipped away. Tim flipped away his beer can. You savvy real good. There was an uneasy silence. Who was going to start it? Darius solved the problem. He stepped forward under the circle of light made the, made by the street lamp. For a minute, everything looked unreal, like a scene out of a JD movie or something. Then Darius said, I'll take anyone. He stood there, tall, broad shoulder, his muscles taut under his t-shirt and his eyes glittering like ice. For a second, it looked like there wasn't anybody brave enough to take on him, take him on. Then there was a light stir in the faceless mob of socials and a husky blonde guy stepped forward. He looked at Derry and said quietly, hello, Daryl. Something flickered behind Derry's eyes and then they were ice again. Hello, Pa. I heard Soda give a kind of squeak and I realized that the blonde was Pa Holden. He had been the best halfback on Derry's football team at high school, and he and Derry used to buddy it all around all the time. He must be a junior in college by now, I thought. He was looking at Derry with an expression I couldn't quite place, but dislike. Contempt? Pity? Hate? All three. Why? Because Derry was standing there representing all of us, and maybe Paul felt only contempt and pity and hated for greasers. Derry hadn't moved the muscle or changed expression, but you could see he hated Paul now. It wasn't only jealousy. Derry had a right to be jealous. He was ashamed to be on our side, ashamed to be seen with Brumley boys, Shepherd's gang, maybe even us. Nobody realized it but me and Soda. It didn't matter to anyone but me and Soda. That's stupid, I thought swiftly. They've both come here to fight, and they're both supposed to be smarter than that. What difference does this side what difference does the side make? Then Paul said, I'll take you, and something like a smile crossed Derry's face. 
I knew Derry had thought he could take Paul any time, but that was two or three years ago. What if Paul was better now? I swallowed. Neither one of my brothers had ever been in, have, had ever been beaten in a fight, but I wasn't exactly itching for someone to break the record. They moved in a circle under the light, counterclockwise, eyeing each other, sizing each other up, maybe remembering old faults and wondering if there was still there. The rest of us waited with mounting tension. I was reminded of Jack London's books, you know, where the wolf pack waits in silence for one or two members to go down in a fight, but it was different here. The moment either one swung a punch, the rumble would be on. The silence grew heavier, and I could hear the harsh, heavy breathing of the boys around me. Still, Darian Soch walked slowly in a circle. Even I could feel their hatred. They used to be buddies, I thought. They used to be friends, and now they hate each other because one has to work for a living and the other comes from the west side. They shouldn't hate each other. I don't hate the socials anymore. They shouldn't hate. Hold up! A familiar voice yelled out. Hold it! Derry turned to see who it was, and Paul swung. A hard right to the jaw that would have felled anyone but Derry. The rumble was on. Dallas Winston ran to join us. I couldn't find a soch my size. So I took the next best size and jumped on him. Dallas was right beside me, already on top of someone. I thought you were in the hospital, I yelled at the social as I yelled as the social knocked me to the ground and rolled to avoid getting kicked. And I rolled to avoid to getting kicked. I was. Dally was having a hard time because his left arm was still in a bad in bad shape. I ain't now. How? I managed to ask as the social I was fighting leaped on me and he rolled near Dally. Talk to the nurse and to into it with two-bit switch. Don't you know a rumble ain't a rumble unless I'm in it? I couldn't answer because the Soch, who was heavier than I took him took him for, had me pinned and was slugging the sense out of me. I thought dizzily that he was going to knock some of my teeth loose or break my nose or something, and I knew I didn't have a chance, but Derry was keeping an eye out for me. He caught the guy by the shoulder and half-lifted him up before knocking him three feet with a sledgehammer blow. I decided it would be fair for me to help Dally since he could use only one arm. They were slugging it out, but Dallas was getting the worst of it. So I jumped on his social's back, pulling his hair and pounding him. He reached back and caught me by the neck and threw me over his head to the ground. Tim Shepard, who was fighting two at once, accidentally stepped on me, knocking my breath out. I was up again as soon as I got my wind and jumped right back on the social, trying my best to strangle him. While he was prying my fingers loose, Dally knocked him backwards so that all three of us rolled on the ground, gasping, cussing, and punching. Somebody kicked me hard in the ribs, and I yelped in spite of myself. Some soch had knocked out one of our bunch and was kicking me as hard as he could, but I had both arms wrapped around the other soch's neck and refused to let go. Dally was slugging him, and I hung on desperately. Although the other soch was kicking me, you better believe it hurt. Finally, he kicked me in the head so hard it stunned me, and I lay limp, trying to clear my mind and keep the keep from blanking, blacking out. I could hear the racket, but only dimly through the buzzing in my ears. Numerous bruises along my back and on my face were throbbing, but I felt detached from the pain, as if it wasn't really me feeling it. They're running, I heard a voice yell joyfully. Look at the dirty run. It seemed to me that voice belonged to Tubit but I couldn't be sure. I tried to sit up and saw the socials were getting into their cars and leaving. Tim Shepard was swearing blue and green because his nose was broken again, and the leader of the Broomley boys 
was working over one of his own men because he had broken the rules and used a piece of pipe in the fighting. Steve lay doubled up and groaned about 10 feet from me. We found out later he had three broken ribs. Soda Pop was beside, beside him, taking in a low, steady voice. I did a double take when I saw two bit. Blood was streaming down one of was down blood was streaming down one side of his face and one hand was busted wide open, but he was grinning happily because the socials were running. We won, Derry announced in a tired voice. He was going to have a black eye and there was a cut across his forehead. We beat the socials. Daly stood beside me quietly for a minute, trying to grasp the fact that we had really beaten the socials. Then, grabbing my shirt, he hauled me to my feet. Come on. He half-dragged me down the street. We're going to see Johnny. I tried to run but stumbled, and Daly impatiently shoved me along. Hurry. He was getting worse when I left. He wants to see you. I don't know how Dallas could travel so fast and hard after being knocked around and having his sore arm hurt some more, but I tried to keep up with him. Track wasn't ever like running. I didn't, I did, track wasn't ever like running, like the running I did that night. I was still dizzy and had only a dim realization of where I was going and why. Dally had Buck Merrill's T-Bird parked in front of our house and we hopped into it. I sat tight as Dally roared the car down the street. We were on 10th when a siren came behind us and I saw the reflection of the red light flashing in the windshield. Look sick, Daly commanded. I'll say I'm, I'm taking you to the hospital, which will be the truth. Which will be truth enough. I leaned against the cold glass of the window and tried to look sick, which wasn't too hard. Feeling the way I did right then, the policeman looked disgusted. All right, buddy, where's the fire? The kid, Daly jerked up down toward me. He fell over on his motorcycle, and I'm taking him to the hospital. I groaned, and it wasn't all fake, and it wasn't all fake out. I guess I looked pretty bad, too, being cut and bruised like I was. The fuss changed his tone. Is he real bad? Do you need an escort? How would I know if he's bad or not? I ain't no doc. Yeah, we could use an escort. And as the policeman got into his car, I heard Daly hiss, sucker. With the siren ahead of us, we made record time getting to the hospital. All the way there, Daly kept talking and talking about something, but I was too dizzy to make most of it out. I was crazy, you know that kid, crazy for wanting Johnny to stay out of trouble, for not wanting him to get hard. If he'd been like me, he'd never have been in this mess. If he'd got smart like me, he'd never have run into that church. That's what you get for helping people. Editorials in the paper are a lot of trouble. You'd better wise up, Pony. You, got, you get tough like me and you don't get hurt. You look out for yourself and nothing can touch you. He said a lot more stuff, but I didn't get it all. I had a stupid feeling that Daly was out of his mind the way he kept raving on and on because Dallas never talked like that. But I think now I would have understood. I think now I would have understood if I hadn't been sick at the time. The cop left us at the hospital as Daly pretended to help me out of the car. The minute the cop was gone, Daly let go of me so quickly I almost fell. Hurry! We ran through the lobby and crowded past. We we ran through the lobby and crowded and crowded past people into the elevator. Several people yelled at us, I think because we were pretty wrapped up looking, but Daly had nothing on his mind except Johnny, and I was too mixed up to know anything, but that I had to follow Daly. When we finally got to Johnny's room, the doctor stopped us. I'm sorry, boys, but he's dying. We gotta see him, Daly said, and flicked out two-bit switchblades. 
his voice was shaking. We're going to see him, and if you give me any static, you end up on your own operating table. The doctor didn't bat an eye. You can see him, but it's because you're his friends, not because of that knife. Daddy looked at him for a second, then put the knife back in the pocket. We both went into Johnny's room, standing there for a second, getting our breath back in heavy gulps. It was awful quiet. It was scary quiet. I looked at Johnny. He was very still, and for a moment, I thought in agony. He's dead already. We're too late. Dally swallowed, wiping the sweat off his upper lip. Johnny Cake, he said in a hoarse voice. Johnny. Johnny stirred weakly, then opened his eyes. Hey, he managed softly. We won, Dally panted. We beat the Socias. We stomped them, chased them out of our territory. Johnny didn't even try to grin at him. Useless. Fighting's no good. He was awful right. Dally licked his lips nervously. They're still writing editorials about you in the paper for being a hero and all. He was talking too fast and too calmly. Yeah, they're calling you a hero now, and a hero isn't all the greasers. We're all proud of you, buddy. Johnny's eyes glowed. Dally was proud of him. That was all Johnny had ever wanted. Pony boy. I barely heard him. I came closer and leaned over to hear what he was going to say. Stay gold, pony boy. Stay gold. The pillow seemed to sink a little bit, and Johnny died. You read about people looking peaceful asleep when they're dead, but they don't. Johnny just looked dead, like a candle with the flame gone. I tried to say something, but I couldn't make a sound. Dally swallowed and reached over to push Johnny's hair back. Never could keep that hair back. That's what you get for trying to help people, you little punk. That's what you get. Whirling suddenly, he slammed back against the wall. His face contracted in agony and sweat streamed down his face. Damn it, Johnny, he begged, slamming one fist against the wall, hammering it to make it obey his will. Oh, damn it, Johnny, don't die. Please don't die. He suddenly bolted through the door and down the hall.